we appreciate you all, so this goes to you and to the team for all the hard work we put in day in and day out. <laughs> we about to get it in, baby. Let's get it. Welcome to our kind of pod. So uh, the Rose Bowl happened, and the Huskies unfortunately no-showed for the first 45 minutes of the biggest game of the season. Bummer. Stan and I were both there in Pasadena for the experience, and we recapped the game and broke out of our uh, glass cages of emotion for this pod. Enjoy it. Too complex. Too complex. All right, Stan, uh, I could not tell you how many podcasts we've done this season in total, but I do know that we've done four of them after losses, and uh, they all suck a lot. Um, this one especially, I think. Probably the, the biggest bummer podcast that we've we've done. Maybe Auburn, maybe Oregon. I don't know, but uh, but this one really really blows. Yeah, I I'm I'm kind of feeling different about that, to be honest. Uh oh. I uh, this might be selfish of me, but just being able to be at the Rose Bowl kind of made the fact that we lost a little bit easier to take. Um, I don't know. I was I came in not. Not really. Ex- I I I wouldn't say I wasn't expecting the win, but I came in just being so like just overjoyed about the situation in general that I am actually quite all right right now. I'm uh, I'm pretty envious. I uh, I, th- I think you got the the ecstasy of the Rose Bowl is is uh, is strong in you still. I think mine is all oh, yeah. washed out of my system by now. Um, yeah, the Rose Bowl is awesome. I hadn't been since I was a, a wee lad at the age of eight. Um, when I was there for the, the 2001 Rose Bowl. Uh, but uh, coming back there, I was actually, uh, because of the, my situation, I had to, to take off right after the Rose Bowl, right after the game ended, um, to go catch a flight to come back to Boston. Um, so that left me kind of in a different situation than my or the people I was with. So I was in the, the Rose Bowl earlier than they were, and I was just sitting mm-hmm. in my seats um singing the fight song when it came on and I, I, I got a little choked up. Just just the uncontrollable situation there of just like, man, this is a really, really incredible venue. There's no cup holders. There's no monitors anywhere <laughs> in the stadium. Like it's just it's just such a throwback piece of of uh college football heaven. Yeah. The, even the game clocks, the only game clocks, there's one, there's one <laughs> yeah. on each side behind the end zone. They don't even show a game clock on the scoreboards, which I thought was kind of weird. So like for the first quarter, I was looking around for a game clock and I couldn't find it. Yeah. Imagine if you went from like, you were like a Dallas Cowboys fan and then you went to that stadium right afterwards. <laughs> it's just, it would be like, it would be like going to uh to Husky stadium versus the Tacoma dome. Like it's just, it's just, different different <laughs> worlds entirely um hey tacoma dome has some sweet neon so <laughs> oh god i hope they never blow up the tacoma dome that'll be like the last <laughs> it's like in that, those like apocalypse video games where you yeah, just end up in some weird situation just takes take me to the tacoma dome and that would <laughs> be a relic of the past but anyways uh the rose bowl is awesome what's your favorite part about about being there you've been there a couple times for ucla games uh, but then also, yeah. uh, this is the first real Rose Bowl. What what what, what stood out to you? Um, on a personal level, uh, unfortunately, my dad wasn't able to make it this year to the Rose Bowl. Um, so that would have been cool to be with him. But I was with some really good friends that I've been going to games with ever since I was born. And just to like 
walk into that stadium with, with it being the Rose Bowl game for the first time and walk in front of that sign and just look at my friends that were with me and uh, as well as just all the other Husky fans and even Ohio State fans and just seeing how happy mm-hmm. everybody was. Like, I don't know of any other game, um, given the setting as well, where that just amount of joy is just, you can see it on everyone's face, just like wide smiles. I don't know. It was, it was awesome to be there and stand there in front of the stadium at gate A and just like soak it all in. And that's, I don't want to f- sound too overdramatic, but that is something I will never forget. Yeah. You're, you're dead on the, uh, I feel like the area around it has like psychedelic qualities because colors pop kind of around around there like the 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 sun is so strong and like the the sky is so blue and i just feel like you're getting like the true essence of colors and so that was something that to get to like (laughs) way out there but just sitting in the stands especially before the game started and you could see the clear like delineation of here's the purple line and the red line and most stadiums don't do that good of a job for bowl games of splitting up um the ticket allotment so it's literally 50 50 yeah. like that um it wasn't quite 50 50 but there was clearly a purple side to the stadium and a red side of the stadium um so yeah it's 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 a visually like breathtaking environment to be in and you look up and there's just the canyons there and uh, it is it is really cool and like you said the the friends aspect of it too being around uh, some of the people I went to college with and and uh, you know and even before that that I've that I've known who are Ohio State friend or fans uh, it was it was a really cool environment to be in and I think that's a nice little uh, nice little uh, uh, kind of like uh, nest to be around you even as uh, your world is falling apart in front of you uh, in the in the <laughs> game itself. Yeah, and it should. We should also mention. Uh, you didn't. I don't think you made it, but the the Rose Bowl parade itself was also pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, just to, the floats and everything. Um, the game is obviously the the main point here, but the Rose Bowl parade was also cool. And I I actually was able. It was. I started out on the east side of the parade route, and I was trying to go to the west side, and it's about two miles long, probably. When it's all said and done. And the parade was just getting started. So I was able to walk directly down the middle of the parade route, like down the middle of the street because they still had it open to pedestrians. Mm -hmm. And so I basically was walking down the middle of Colorado Boulevard um, with thousands of people in the stands around me. And then all of a sudden a B2 stealth bomber flies over. (laughs) And it's like, this is unbelievable. Like what, what is going on? So just everything about the day was amazing. I mean, other than the result, but yeah, it was something that was probably the coolest football game experience I've ever been to. So I thought you were going to say you ended up like grand marshalling the parade somehow and you found yourself <laughs> with like a big, big baton in your hand and we're leading the damn thing. But, but that is, that is pretty damn cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Was, uh, was it, did it peak there or did, did it peak around dinner time when you're eating Subway alone in your Airbnb that night? <laughs> no, that was a definite low point. The peak was definitely walking into the stadium and uh, also realizing that Gate A's line was the longest, one of the longest lines I've ever seen. And oh just God. very fortunate I didn't go in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, <laughs> the, uh, I will say the staff at the Rose Bowl is incredibly nice. I've, I've never met a staff of, of any sporting event that nice, um, but they are uh, a little shorthanded. And like, it's just, it, it's just yeah. not... 
it's not what we're accustomed to in this world of comfort and leisure of, of how <laughs> big time call or big time sports events usually run. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's like I said, it's a throwback. It was really cool to be there. Um, that was the nice part. The not so nice part uh, was the game, as we've mentioned a couple times here. Uh, other mm-hmm. nice, not nice parts are when uh, New Year's Eve festivities tell you that uh, New Year's Day drinking isn't going to happen, as it did for me uh, at the day of the Rose Bowl. But uh, it's neither here nor there. The not so nice part would be the first 45 minutes of that game. Uh, mm-hmm. The uh, the kind of uh, finding or grasping of moral victories that we now find ourselves in. Uh, it was uh, it was a tough pill to swallow, and I think for me at least, and I'll, I'll kind of you know we'll just trade trade jabs on our gripes here. But for me, what was what was toughest about that is I was walking around uh, before the stadium, catching up with old friends, met up with our friend Jacqueline, who her family, her whole family went to Ohio State. She went to Ohio State, um, and she's asking me like, "What do you think is going to happen in the game?" And I was like, well, I don't really expect to win, uh, but when the Huskies do lose, it's usually this kind of classic loss where uh, they get down big um, and then they kind of run out of time at the huh. end uh, where they are unable to. Uh, and it kind of looks looks like a nice score, but um, they didn't play well enough in the beginning of the game, and uh, that precludes yep. them from winning. Turns out Nailed I it. was weirdly prophetic uh, with, with that proclamation. <laughs> yeah, I'm... It's it's weird because when you look at the stats uh, and you don't look at the score, you'd expect UW won just be like time of possession in its own right. We mm-hmm. have over ten minutes of an advantage in that. Like that alone, like is is a great indicator. Um, just yards. I mean everything. The list goes on and on. So uh, great fourth quarter as you mentioned. First half uh, didn't. It looked like we didn't know where we were or. <laughs> weren't ready for that stage or I don't know. It was yeah. just very, very weird. Yeah. It was a uh, two halves for sure. Yeah. Kirk, I actually rewatched the, the uh, most of the game um, today and Kirk mm-hmm. Herbstreit was talking a little bit about how they were kind of just a little tepid at the beginning with their play calling and, and not, uh, not bringing the yes. whole thing on. And I think that that is, that is absolutely the diagnosis here. Um, getting into the, the nitty gritty of the game, I, I don't ever think it's a great thing uh, for a team when the public is as on point about uh, the the uh, kind of problems as it seems to be here. Like there, it's it's a mm-hmm. very clear picture as to what the problem is. And usually when when teams that are talented are struggling, it's a little more complicated. Uh, but I don't think it's a great thing that everyone in the world who is a Husky fan can pick out. Okay, you mangled the end of the first half, which we can break down. You didn't get Gaskin the ball enough in the first half or early in that game. Uh, Hunter Bryant was a huge weapon in that game that didn't get utilized nearly enough. And uh, the offense had play calling in the first first quarter and a half of that game, I'd say, or first half of that game, um, that was just altogether too slow developing for how fast of a team that they were playing against. Uh, so what do you think? I mean, it, it, it's it's weird, right? That that everyone is in agreement between the, the coaching staff to uh, to the to the to the media to the fans about what the problem was in that game. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, the play calling was very conservative. I think you mentioned that Gaskin only got eight carries in the first half, which um, is weird when you think about how you seemingly always want to come out and establish the run as a team um just you know to open up the pass that's pretty 
common staple of offenses, especially in offenses like the Huskies that prides himself on being balanced and able to do both effectively. Um, so that was disappointing. Um, I thought our wide receivers struggled to get separation against yeah. a defense that honestly, like Ohio state's a great team and they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. But statistically speaking, that defense is not very good. Mm-hmm. That defense gave up over 400 yards in 11 of their 14 games this season. Uh, Gave up 390 in 12 of their 14 games this season. So um, the Huskies actually put up more yardage on them than any other team except, I I think, Michigan State. It was the second most yards that we've put up, and the Huskies actually held them to their least yards of the season. So, um, like, we, we we were good enough to play with those guys, and it showed in the fourth quarter. It's just disappointing that we weren't able to realize our potential in the first half because we basically spotted them 21 or whatever amount of points and we just couldn't come back from it because like you said just a few more minutes in that one and I think and Nick Harris said that too and I think it would have gone the opposite direction yeah and I think that's the biggest frustration for me is that you could have just taken that clip of everything you just said and it maybe bleeped out anytime you had actually said Ohio State and then played that immediately after the Fiesta Bowl last year. I mean, that was that was just such a similar situation where we spotted them so many points, and then the offense got going, but it was all too late. Um, and you know, obviously, that's a different mm-hmm. offensive coordinator, and 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 um, you know, Dante Pettis was playing that game, um, albeit hurt. But uh, it's it's uh, kind of breaking down those pieces. You and I talked in depth uh, with our with our buddy Hatcher about that end of the first half, especially you get the ball back with a minute twenty one seconds at your own nine. Um, and the best case scenario is that you score on that, on that drive. Um, the worst case scenario is that you give the ball back to Ohio state with time. They did Ohio state scores to make it 21, three at the end of the first half and just an absolute bleak environment there. But the the big play on that one was third and five Jake Browning missing Aaron Fuller on a slant. Uh, that might have been that game because had he connected there, Ohio state probably doesn't get the ball. And then, uh, it's only 14 to three. Yeah, and he he had a lot of room too. Like he would have caught that and probably gone at least another 15, 20 yards. I didn't I have not rewatched it. Did you notice it today when rewatching the game? Yeah, how yeah. much so, space he had. So our boy Jordan Ruffett, Captain Hyperbole, um said that that Fuller might have scored on that play. I don't know. Uh, he 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 caught it and then it was basically a situation where if he has it and immediately starts sprinting, he might have been able to get past the safety. Um but if nothing else, that's that's at least a 15, 20, up to, you know, 30, 30 yard gain, um, just, just by the time an Ohio state defender would get to fuller on that. And it was just a case of, of, of Browning missing him and missing him in the absence of pressure, which is really unfortunate, um, that it wasn't a situation where, you know, Browning had to throw it out there because, um, someone was barreling down his neck. It was just a missed throw, um, to a wide open receiver in the middle of the field, which is which is a tough pill to swallow. I actually thought Browning made some nice throws throughout the game um, once the offensive game plan opened up. But that was the problem, man, is that that the uh, the uh, the plan of attack was to not attack for much of that game. Yeah, that that third and five missed slant was basically a microcosm of this entire season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you know, so close to breaking a huge play and Jake Browning, not to put it on Jake Browning, but just the whole team just being so close to doing something great and just coming up so 
no, just just short. But uh, yeah, to only take eight sec or thirteen seconds off the clock, I believe, on that drive mm-hmm. is awful because you know you can't give that back to them with time on the clock. Yeah. Um, there's no excuse that they should be able to score any points in in that uh, before halftime there. And um, to top it all off, if you had made that throw, you're at like the maybe the 35 or the 40. It, even if the drive stalls, your punt is going deep into their territory most yep. likely. Instead, I think they they punted. We punted it to their 44 or our yeah their 44, and then they obviously um, ended up scoring on that play. And you know, look at the scoreboard. We lost by five points. Touchdown to six points. So there is one of uh, potentially the difference right there. Um, so yeah, very disappointing. I also I will mention that. Um, there were so many drives that we had offensively that just stalled in OSU's territory. We had mm-hmm. 13 drives. Only four of those 13 drives ended in our own territory. Six wow. drives stalled in OSU territory, um, and then three of them were touchdowns. And I'm counting the field goal as a stalled drive because that's what it is. So yeah, it, it's just six times down where you where you're in within their half and you and you only get three points from it. That's really unfortunate i was i don't know it there's just so many things about that game where it's like man we were better than what we showed and yeah um and and one one other point i'd like to make is i think i see some people talking about how oh well you know the comeback was only because ohio state was playing conservatively well if you actually look at the the buckeyes play calling um on their final five drives after taking a 28 to 3 lead they ran six running plays to ten passing plays, uh, yeah. so they obviously weren't playing strategy there conservative. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. They weren't playing conservative, and uh, to to just give you a, a, another numbers breakdown: second half yardage, UW three hundred and sixteen, Ohio State ninety two. Yeah. So give me that type of production in the first half, and that game is completely different than the scoreboard we see right now. Right. And speaking of first half, uh, just a, the you know the the if I ask you, Stan, right now, uh, who who are the Huskies' three biggest playmakers on offense? Hunter Bryant, Miles <laughs> Gaskin, and maybe Fuller, but Hunter yeah. Bryant is is the guy you're th- you're wanting me to say right there. I know. Well, that. well you got sixty seven percent of it there. I mean, Miles Gaskin, like you said, I, I don't know if it was seven or eight carries in the first half. Um, for just 21 mm-hmm. yards, ends with uh, uh, 24 carries uh, for 120 yards. But when the Huskies are 9-0 and with Gaskin when he has more than 26 carries, there's zero mm-hmm. precedent for the Huskies performing worse when Miles Gaskin gets more of the ball and for him to true. only touch the ball seven times in the first half, a couple catches in there as well. Um, I just didn't make sense. I think the, the way Gaskin was running as soon as that second half started, um, I think maybe it was a little more urgency there, but it just it was very apparent that that's the guy that you should have been getting the ball to. Um, won't understand that. It's it just when you look at it, and you did say at the beginning, if you look at the stats, you would assume you'd have won. Other than, I agree completely with you, from a team stat perspective, but seeing that Jake Browning had 55 pass attempts and that Miles Gaskin only had 24 carries uh, would show me that that's a very weird type of game and not the type of game the Huskies would want to play. 
because uh, that's not mm-hmm. a very efficient setup there. And then Hunter Bryant, as you said, Hunter Bryant, um, everyone who watched that Apple Cup said, where has this guy been all season? This guy's going to be the key to unlocking the explosive plays uh, that this team needs to kind of bust it open um, and, and, and you know, really increase the efficiency of the offense. Hunter Bryant gets his first target with one minute and 36 seconds left in the third quarter. Uh, UW's ninth offensive wow. possession of the game, their 58th play of the game. Go figure, 24-yard gain looked great. And then the next possession, uh, Browning missed him on a kind of just a, a crossing route. He threw it behind him. Um, and if he would have caught that, mm-hmm. he might have busted it open for a 40, 50-yard gain as well. Um, and you saw the one-handed catch that he had. I mean, that, that guy could have, <laughs> should have had... 10 catches in that game. Like, like, why not include him in that bowl game when, you know, you're at a talent deficit against a team like OSU um, and you have one guy that, that, uh, that, you know, Ohio State would trade for if they're trying to pick receivers um, for, for who they want to have on their team. And, and the thing is, he's going to have the matchup, like physically speaking, he's going to have that matchup every time. Yes. So, <laughs> like, why don't you just throw it to him? Even yeah. if he's covered, you saw what he did on the one-handed catch. That was... That, honestly, I don't know how it wasn't pass interference, first of all, but mm-hmm. it's that that's irrelevant. But the fact that he was able to come down to that, like the guy's talented, give him a shot like yeah. that. That's honestly terrible. And then then back to your point about Miles Gaskin not getting the, getting many, many carries in the first half. What I saw is they were stacking the box. They had eight guys in the box pretty frequently. And we were still when we were passing, we we were still just throwing short and intermediate yep. routes and you know you have to go over the top and exploit that mismatch and i i just it's it seemed like basic offensive like football strategy and we just didn't we didn't react at all yeah. As, yeah. A, as a coaching staff it's just really disappointing yeah you're dead on and it's not like the the uh the team is unable to do it you saw it in the fourth quarter i mean aaron fuller won at the end of the game um on the i forget which which of the two scoring drives you had there um, but the uh, the touchdown or the the long gain down the right sideline that he had, where he came back to the ball, similar to the touchdown he had against UCLA in that stadium, um, winning a ball down the sideline like that, uh, it was there. All of those guys could win could have won those matchups. Bachelia had success going downfield. Uh, Hunter Bryan had success, as we talked about. Ty Jones had success, albeit a big drop in the middle of the field. There was no reason to not do that. I mean, if that if those all of those guys save Hunter Bryant could perform like they did against Auburn and all season um, and have the talent that they do to not get them involved downfield. Like you said, when we are seeing a stacked box is just, it's, it's beyond me. And it comes down to Bush Hamden who, you know, I I'm a little frustrated. Like I'm trying to be rational about this and say, okay, you know, this is someone's first year on a job. Um, You know, think about your first year on the job. Think about the lumps you take and how you, how you uh, perform differently from the beginning to the end. I get that, right? In an even shorter sense because you're going from September uh, to January in, in Bush Hamden's case. But I'll give you a couple quotes here. After Auburn, and he, after Auburn, here's his quote from, from that. He says, I thought he, he being Jake Browning, hung in there and made some really tough throws. Again, that guy's done a lot for this program. And on my end, I just really wish I could have done more to get him that win, right? So it's him talking about the offensive game plan not being conducive mm-hmm. enough to Jake Browning. After the OSU mm-hmm. game, he said that uh, the team needs to take a long, hard look at their offense after or in this offseason. And he says, it starts with me. We need to go back and look at it and look at prim- primarily how to get more explosive and create bigger plays. Another quote about Hunter Bryant. He said, we slowed some things down a little bit, try to get more designed stuff to Hunter Bryant. Obviously, he needs to be an integral part of this thing, this offense. 
it's huh. it's just maddening that that we don't see any distance between those two quotes from the beginning of the season against Auburn and the end of the season against Ohio State. Two games that you lose by five points um, to uh, to to national powerhouses, um, where you're basically having your offensive coordinator saying, "I didn't do good enough," and I I you know I may have cost us this game. Yeah. And I'm I'm not buying the whole first year thing because this is a guy who's been coaching since the late 2000s. He uh, played at Boise State under Peterson, so he knows what Peterson is all about. He's coached for UW before this season. Uh, he was he was the passing game coordinator in 2016, for God's sake. So um, yeah, he sh- and and we're on we're on game 14 now. Like like what you just said, you know, the same points that he brought up after Auburn. Uh, are are a factor here as well, and it just it didn't. He I just disappointing. And Peterson did say after the game that they that they need to take a look at the offense. Um, and I was assuming that's from a schematic standpoint. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't I don't think we should go out and like replace them. Don't get me wrong, but let's start using. I I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but like let's start using some common sense. Yeah. Like. It's just it it was it was very it, if from the stands like you were saying if if the day to day like average Joe fan can point out these these things and it actually makes sense um, then there's something wrong yeah because we personally like I shouldn't be able to call out the issues on an exactly. offense you know and 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 we are I'm able to and I'm feeling pretty confident in that too yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and that, I think it just goes down to, you know, when did the UW offense look the most successful this season? And it was when their backs were against the wall against Ohio State, Oregon, and Auburn. That's when they made big mm-hmm. plays downfield uh, in, in tight games and showed the ability to do that. But other than that, you didn't see a, a vertical attack in this in this, in this this game nope. when you have a senior quarterback and receivers who are clearly talented. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's so frustrating, man, and, and to 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 have that happen, and to have coaches basically saying, "We left it. We we are going." I mean, coaches are always going to do that to 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 fall on the grenade and say it's it's yeah. our fault, and and you know not put it on the players, um, you know. Mm-hmm. But if the player if they win, put it on the players, that type of thing, classic coaching move. But it's just it's just brutal to um to not see any progress and to not see an offensive identity come to form throughout the season, especially as it pertains to, to Jake Browning, because it's just like how much of this, this kind of uh, maybe disappointing senior season was him and how much of it was just him being um, at the helm for a, a kind of just uh, trial by error or trial and error um, first year play calling situation with Bush Hamden. Yeah. It, it was kind of funny near the end when we were on the goal line. Uh, I think, I think we, yeah, we ended up scoring, but there was a fan. We were they um, like Jake looked to the sideline and there was a fan near me just like, Jake, you're a senior. Call it yourself. Yeah. And it's like, you know, like in some cases, I kind of agree with them. Yeah. And I think I think our points here uh, reflect that. But um, one thing I, sh- I also want to mention is look at what we did when we went up tempo once again. I've mm-hmm. been harping on this all season and I understand there's points to not going up tempo at all times because it can really uh, be a detriment for your defense uh, having to be on the field too much. But um, at the same time, like 
they weren't able to stop us. At least I don't remember them stopping us when we went up tempo. Yeah. Um, I just don't understand why we don't employ that more often than we do. Mm -hmm. Um, so that just adds to the bags of bag of, uh, things I wish we had done differently. But, um, what can you say? Yeah. And that was the, that was the first half of the, the Bush Hamden's quote about, um, Hunter Bryant is that he wasn't a part of the up-tempo packages. And why then, not? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, he's an athlete. <laughs> does it matter? Like, why can he not play up-tempo? Like I, I, I'm very confused, um, by that. And it's, you know, it, it comes down, it's kind of like the end of a, of a NBA basketball game. Like it comes down to just who can make the big shots. And like, that's who gets the ball. Like, it's just that simple plays that got that, you know, got you for the first 46 minutes of that game kind of go out the window because it just comes down to who can, who can score for you. And I think the Huskies needed to carry that mentality with them um, in order to, to really actuate or, you know, to, um, to bring out their best offense for this game. And, and it didn't happen, but uh, I guess, I guess we'll see if, if um, another year of, of kind of reflecting on, on the offensive woes from this season um, plus the, you know, the incoming um, kind of talent injection with, with Jacob Eason from an arm perspective, if nothing else um, can kind of bring things to life uh, for next season. But uh, we will, we will not see any of that for, for a solid eight months or so, uh, which will be tough. Uh, but was there the anything worst eight months of the year? Yeah, honestly, unless you're a basketball <laughs> fan, you can hang in there. Um, yeah. And I'm not, but well, good, I'm college, but Pac-12 yeah, was good thing. David Crisp will carry us through the next three. Uh, oh God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> any other gripes from this game? I mean, I think we hit the big ones, um, that, that are kind of out there in the, the zeitgeist for this game, but anything else that, that, uh, that stood out to you? Um, not really. I think I've put it all out there, but I will say it is disappointing to be on a national stage once again and underperform. I feel like every time we've gotten on a national stage, we've played below our yep. level. Um, I'll, I'm not really going to, you know, I, the Alabama game, Alabama in 2016 was good. Um, so I'll, I'll give them that. But there's, you know, <laughs> that's, I, like that's last a, season. Uh, the, that's an apt adjective for, for Alabama. Good. Good. Yeah. Also for Mariners baseball, but that's not the same thing. Right. Um, uh, but like last season uh, in the Fiesta Bowl, thought we underperformed Auburn, the opening game of the season, like the biggest game of that weekend, underperformed Rose Bowl, underperformed. Um, it's just for being a team that's been so good over the past few years and up there at near the top of the rankings and then the national, you know, the college football playoff discussion each of the three years, at least for a portion of the season. I feel like this is just the perception that I get that not many people take us seriously. And right. I think half of that has to do with just being where we are and, you know, not many people see watch us play because of the Pac-12 and, you know, how bad it is comparatively to other conferences but like we are definitely good enough to play with these teams you know we haven't lost a game by more than one possession in the past three seasons we've the, the all four of our losses this seasons were by a combined four, 15 points mm -hmm. we're right there we're so close to being a one loss team or hell even an undefeated team and and we just can't do it. And it's just so unfortunate because I feel like the players that we have on this team 
were good enough to be better than they than the results show. And I know that's kind of unfair because this is one of the best classes that we've ever seen at this school. But at the same time, I don't feel like uh, we've played up to our potential this season or in the previous seasons. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'm... 2016, I guess. But but that was just because it was the first time for us really breaking onto the scene. Yeah, and and you know we didn't really beat anyone that season outside of true in our conference. You know, so like, like yeah. we're we are the best team in the Pac-12 over the past few years. But you know, what does that mean in kind of the the grander college football sense? Yeah, I'm 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 really tired of telling people who you know are like casual college football fans who might check into a game and know that you know they know me and then they know that I went to UW and then talk to me about UW football and it's just like. No, I promise we're really good. Like, like, yeah, we, we had a bad game that game or yeah, that other game, but, it. but you know, yeah, exactly. It's just like, where, where is really the, where is the proof other than, you know, ending up looking at the S and P rankings of like, oh yeah, we were top 10 team. Like where, where is this, this marker for us as a program, um, yep. that, uh, that we, we belong and that has not happened yet. Um, even the Oklahoma state game I was thinking back to in, in Peterson's first year is kind of a wonky game, but um, there's just not that precedent for for him winning um, that game yet, and it's not any indictment of I think his ability to do that. I think that he's certainly capable, but for whatever reason, it hasn't happened yet. And uh, hopefully, um, that'll kind of you know <laughs> create a, a crucible here to uh, to to make some changes to to take this program to the next level. So mm-hmm. um, t- tough one, man. Um, Got to end on this question: Are you disappointed with how this season went? Uh. I- I, after what I just said, you would think I would be, but I'm actually not. Um, I think it's it's kind of a weird question because if you ask me that on a game-by-game basis, yes. Mm-hmm. I feel like we played below our level in almost every game this season, and the Rose Bowl was no different. But as a whole, when you think about what the end result was, you won the conference, which is always the goal. Um, you got to the Rose Bowl for the first time in 18 seasons, and that's you know the pinnacle for a Pac-12 team. Um, other than obviously making the playoff and making a run at the national title. Um, if you make it to the cultural playoff, you get destroyed by Alabama in the semifinal. So honestly, this is sort of a perfect scenario, in my opinion, that we got into the Rose Bowl. Obviously, you'd like to win it. But I think as a whole, it's kind of like it's kind of like presidential elections. You know, it just doesn't make sense. Popular vote, electoral college, you know, uh, a game by game basis. No, I wasn't. I thought we underperformed. But as a whole, yeah, I thought it was actually a pretty good year. I just I can't see it. I'm I'm, I'm pissed. I'm I'm disappointed that the, the stigma still exists, that we are still, you know, team moral victory, that we are still, um, you know, haven't proved it yet, that we're still yep. that that kind of gutty team out West and especially in the context of everything that we were talking about with the last few weeks of, of kind of the, the microscope coming in on the pack 12 um, and how at this point, this conference is, is, you know, fading into joke status. And when this continues to happen and you're the banner carrier um, and you can't get it done, what are you going to do to change that? Um, because it's not going to come from, you know, uh, from Arizona States, uh, you know, it's not going to come from, um, a, a four and 13 bowl record over the last, um, last, last two years. Like there's, there's just not enough being done, um, to kind of create the, 
a huge step in momentum, I think, from 2016. Everything's kind of all out of whack. Expectations went through the roof after you make the playoff that season. Um, and maybe maybe kind of if that doesn't happen, now we're in a different story. Um, but uh, but to be this close and to underperform, mm-hmm. given the context, I just I can't I can't say that this was a um, a truly successful season because you know what what game did the Huskies win this season that um, that they should that you know they they shouldn't have what what did they do that mm-hmm. that was like a, a true kind of it's true buster and then you have the game against Cal which is just a, an embarrassment should never have happened um, yep. to have th- that kind of disarray like that was 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 tough and then you know the Oregon game whatever tough game um chance to win at the end and you couldn't do it exactly like like i i don't know what i feel better about um before this year than i did or now than before i did this year other than probably the skill position um players on 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 the receiving side of the ball but uh yeah it's it's um i'm (laughs) i'd give this season like a solid c c uh i don't know i here okay i agree with everything you're saying but let don't think about anything that happened in the season. Just think about imagine if I asked you before the season started, hey, what would you feel like if we won the conference and went to the Rose Bowl? I don't know what we'll do in the Rose Bowl, but we'll go. Mm-hmm. Would you say that's a successful season? I would have asked just without thinking about any of the games that happened in between. I think I would have had to ask what happened if against Auburn because the the potential still lies in that scenario that you're talking about of us winning the conference. Um, and you know, we, we should have won the conference. That's, that's, that's kind of the point of this season is to measure, measure ourselves against the, um, mm-hmm. the primetime talent. And so the, the Auburn game and then the bowl game were kind of the only places where that was going to happen. Um, you know, save Oregon and save Stanford. So if, if you told me we win the conference, I would have assumed, yeah, we beat Oregon, we beat Stanford. Well, we should have, um, we were probably favored in both of those games. So it's, it's kind of tough for me to do that because, uh, the Pac-12 Pac- as it yeah. stands is is not, um, you know, winning that conference isn't isn't uh, isn't a good enough thing um, yeah. in terms of like big picture college football right now. We knocked down we knocked out Utah, who you know <laughs> totally botched their bowl game. God, it's yeah. not like we knocked off like a good USC team and you know beat a a solid UCLA team. Like, yeah, I I get it. That that's a good point. Yeah, I I think I. I just can't get I can't complain about the fact that we went to a Rose Bowl and won the conference because at the end of the day, those are the two things that have always been the goal for a Pac-12 team. Mm-hmm. So I'd, on a surface, yes. But if you you know lift the sheets up, it was not really what you'd hope for, I guess <laughs> is how I put it. Yeah, we have we have rich program problems now where, you know, it's it's. Yeah, it's a good place to be. Yeah, exactly. It's it's now now the threat the bare minimum is you win the conference or you you know you you're damn close and you're playing in New Year's Six games like that's that is the you know you walk in the door that's what you expect um, at this mm-hmm. point with the program based off of what the team has done over the last three years. So that being the case, you know you walk through the door, then the hard part starts, and that's kind of the the measuring stick at this point, which you know is is a is a big measuring stick and it's it's a it's a tough standard, but. Um, you know, if, if you don't want it, then, you know, to go win seven games and, and don't worry about it. So it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of a two way street there of, you know, if the expectations are this high because you made them this high and, and, uh, now you have to, to live up to them. Yeah. I hate that. I don't want to finish this podcast on a sour. <laughs> I, I know, I know it's, it's just, it's, it's hard. The finality of it, there's nothing to look forward to at this point. 
Um, and so I just, <laughs> well, it's always the case after, after the season. Ends. Yeah. I just, I just have to, nothing to look for. I just have to, to say the piece, like, you know, it's, 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 um, uh, the, like I said, the Auburn and the OSU games were, were your chance, um, to prove mm-hmm. that things were a little bit different than last year. Um, and, yep. uh, didn't, didn't get it done, but to, uh, um, personally though, go- very, very happy. Obviously I said this before getting to, you know, going to the Rose bowl. I think that's something we should not forget mm-hmm. uh, yeah, through I'd, all that. I'd like to do it again next year, but, um, but hell yeah. Yeah. Let's, uh, just, just, uh, you know, keep the eyes on the prize here, but let's, uh, let's do what we always do. Quick, uh, quick, great cat for this. I, uh, mine, oh, mine man. is, uh, is, uh, Mr. Hamden. I, I just, I, it's gotta, it's gotta start there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't really thought about it, but yeah, I, that would probably be it based on what we've talked about. Um, so yeah. There are also some, some horrible fans and like, just like general fans in the, in the stadium. Oh just... yeah. Uh, I have a story, but what is, what are you referring to Ohio state fans? I, I saw three instances. There was one like incredibly blacked out UW, UW guy in our section who had no idea where he was. Um, oh, yeah. and was just like, could not t- tell you where his seat was or anything. So he would just sit down mm-hmm. in open seats yeah. and then people would come back from, from getting drinks and, be really pissed at him. There's that guy. There's this other guy who was blatantly standing in front of the gates or in front of the tunnels so that no one could see him. And then as people were yelling at him, he was basically just ch- challenging everyone that was yelling at him to, to, to fight him, um, which is just <laughs> an amazing thing. And then there was just this older OSU fan who was taunting um, a UW fan, I think after they went up 28 to three um, and was just like in the dude's face. And it seemed, it was from my vantage point was just completely unprovoked, but I mean, hundred thousand seat stadium, you probably saw that on both ends. Um, yeah. but, but, uh, yeah, there was just some, some weird, weird fan interaction things happening there. Honestly, though, I thought the, uh, like the two, the two fan bases were pretty respectful to one another yeah. for, um, I mean, there's not really a rivalry between these two teams, so that helps. Um, my situation was kind of interesting. It was involving a, the UW fans sitting be- directly behind us. Uh, one of them was on crutches, and I don't know about your section. So you're about to say but, crack. Well, maybe that too. But yeah. <laughs> I don't know about your section, but we were standing pretty much the whole game. Like mm-hmm. the, um, and it wasn't just us. Like the whole section, every section around us was standing almost the entire game. And the the wife of this guy um, immediately upon the f- everybody standing up for the f- the first time of the game was yelling at all of us to be you know to sit down down in front. And I turn around and I'm like, "You really think you're gonna get us to sit a whole stadium to sit down?" And her response was, "Yeah, I do. I'm a mother." And I was just like, "What? Like, I'm not." I told her straight up, "I was like, I'm not gonna spend you know whatever I spent for this ticket." to not be able to watch this game. So I just, you know, I, I didn't change anything, but it's just, you know, you have the, the gall to tell people to sit down at the Rose Bowl when the entire stadium is standing up. I thought that was pretty poor, but um, didn't let that phase me. I stood up and that guy in crutches sure as hell stood up too. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that, I don't know, man. It, that stuff is just so People are me. weird. Yeah, like what did you expect? I don't know. It's a football game. <laughs> that, yeah, and then there was this. So uh, as we continue to go here, uh, there was yeah. a, this guy who came and sat he, our, to to the sections to the right or the five seats to the right with the right of us were completely open um, for the first half. 
um, which is kind of wild. And then the people that were there showed up and they were, you know, you could tell what they were doing for the for that entire first half. And oh, yeah. the, guy, the guy is a UW fan, and he sits down. And as he sits down, they're doing um, – it's that interview that they did. So maybe it was the end of the first half with Nick and Joey Bosa on the sideline, which was really awkward yeah. um, mm-hmm. to have Nick Bosa in that interview. But uh, yeah. the guy just starts screaming, F you, Joey Joy Bosa, F you, like as loud as he can. <laughs> like F both of those uh, guys. Uh, yeah. And then right in front of him is this like six-year-old kid. And his entire oh. family. And so the, the grandma just turns around and just lights into him about how he's just oh, yeah. like, like he's got to tone it down. And like, that is just, that is so uncalled for. And uh, he had a ultra big slice of humble pie a la mode right after that. Um, nice. And was, uh, wasn't, wasn't heard from as much again, but we- he came out firing anti-Bosa for whatever reason. <laughs> hey, fair play. But uh, we kind of had a similar thing where the people that, you know, the people that are telling us to sit down uh, uh, got into a spat with the people in front of us. And uh, we had some F-bombs thrown. This is Husky on Husky uh, stuff I'm talking here. Yeah, I was like, I'm going to F and kick your you know what. So, uh, yeah, it got pretty heated at one point. But uh, luckily nothing opened up in the stands. But, yeah, it was it was kind of weird. But all in all, I thought it was a fun atmosphere. <laughs> you know, I know that sounds crazy to, to follow <laughs> with that statement. But uh, overall, I thought the fans were pretty good and um, represented the the university well. Yeah, like I said, big big stadium. You're gonna get you a lot of sure, a lot of everything, good, bad, and yeah. and the ugly. Um, mm. OKG of of the Rose Bowl. Mm, I mean, this is no surprise, but it's got to be you know Miles Gaskin just because he's one of the greatest Huskies ever at this point. Um, he set a record this. Uh, this week in the Rose Bowl by going over 1,200 yards for the fourth straight season. Um, the only other player in college football history to do so is Ron Dane, who holds the all-time rushing record. So um, that is elite company for Miles Gaskin. Incredible career. Um, I also want to point out Jake Browning. Um, I think Jake has handled the the backlash in the media and of the fans this season amazingly and um i think you know he's just an example for a lot of a lot of people coming up and being in the spotlight like that because i thought he was better than a lot of people gave him credit for and he also never really let the outside noise get to him at least it didn't seem like it Mm -hmm. um and then thirdly i think i also need to mention ben burkirvin because that dude just has one of the most insane motors I've ever seen in a football player. Yeah. Yeah. Good ones there. Obviously, you know, the, the, um, the, the, uh, gumption behind Jake Browning was never really the question. It was more the, uh, just kind of, it came down to kind of just an ability and performance part of it, which is much different than, uh, the character of that dude. Uh, yeah. And just, just a feisty ass competitor. That's, that's for damn sure. I thought his quote, um, of just like, I didn't come here to get a moral victory, uh, was exactly how I felt, and you know, I, I was not proud of the result, but I was I was definitely uh, in line with that quote from from Jake. There, uh, you hit them all pretty much. I mean, I think uh, Andre Bocelli had a great game. It was just a one yep. one play early on a screen that I think he just like just got tripped up on, just like his shoe uh, that he could have broke for for six on a screen down on on our sideline. Um, he certainly mm-hmm. played well. Ten catches in that game. 
Hunter Bryant for just making that impact that he did as soon as he kind of got involved. Um, that's that's basically I got the, the Rose Bowl. Like I said, the the, the staff there um, for for you know the the show that they put on. Um, all my buddies that I got to see, yourself included. Um, that was that was awesome. But uh, yeah, it's uh, just uh, missing one key part of that of that awesome trip. Yep. You, know? you were in Pasadena on January first. Like, I was. Let's let's keep some perspective here. I was. Yeah. Trying to trying to steady the ship a bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's let's talk in a week and and uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> let it deflate. Uh, for other OKG Christian Capel, I think he is an incredible reporter. Uh, does an awesome job for the Athletic. Um, I would recommend subscribing to the Athletic simply for this the the ability to read read his stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Good stuff there. Uh, all right, man. That's that's it. That's it on the the 2018-19 season. Uh, we'll have some Incredible. more stuff, uh, kind of in an off season uh, perspective. Um, some more recruiting wrap up, all that type of stuff as as the weeks go on. But uh, uh, you know, tough one. But man, we 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 really did it. Uh, giving you weekly coverage here. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I uh, I had a blast doing it this season. That's for sure. Hell yeah. All right, man. Well, uh, go dogs. That was a tough tough. Uh, um, that was not our first argument, but I mean, first uh, difference <laughs> of opinion. Um, we'll, we'll get past it. Yeah, yeah. You know, this this relationship is. <laughs> we'll make up some thick hide. Yeah, for sure. Uh, <laughs> all right, brother. Uh, take it easy. All right, take it easy. Go dogs. Go dogs. Thanks for listening, everybody. The Husky season may have been a disappointment uh, to me, at least, but it has been mighty fun to do these each week. Much love to all of you. Happy New Year and go dogs.